0: Welcome to Courageous Leadership with Virginia Prodan, training you to lead with courage.
1: Good morning, everyone. We are so happy you are here. We have a very special guest today from the Summit Ministry, from the um, Family Research Council. Uh, and, uh, he minute, Closon, and he will tell you in a minute, David Closen, and he uh, will tell you in a minute a lot of things about himself. I want just to tell you that uh, Family Research Council and David are very precious to me. Family Research Council um, had, in fact, done the opening of my book, Saving My Assassin, And uh, from that uh, moment on, they invited me to speak at Value Voter Summit uh, in 2019 and 2020. And I got to know David, and I am so fascinated about his courageous leadership, and I invited him today to be with us. Would you please introduce yourself, David?
0: Absolutely, Virginia. Let me just start by saying it's a joy to be with you on your Courageous Leadership Podcast, and it's been so good to get to know you, uh, the Values Voter Summit that you've spoken to the last two years. Uh, It's always just so encouraging to hear your story, and I know many of us on the staff have read your book, and so we're just so grateful for the work uh, that you're doing. Uh, So like you said, Virginia, my name is David Clausen, and I serve as the director uh, for the Center of Biblical Worldview here at the Family Research Council. Uh, So Family Research Council, we're based here in Washington, D.C. We're a pro-life, pro-family, pro-religious advocacy group uh, that just cares about all these social conservative issues, Uh, but we also care very deeply about equipping uh, pastors and churches Uh, to think through all of these issues from uh, the perspective of Scripture. And and so I get to do a lot of research and writing and speaking on all of our issues, uh, helping people think about them from the perspective of a biblical worldview.
1: That is wonderful. And you know what? You had yesterday a special event. Can you tell us about your event?
0: Yeah, so it's actually um, a couple of things that are happening this week uh, where we are rolling out our uh, Center for Biblical Worldview. So I've been with FRC for two and a half years. Uh, but this week we are—and uh, and so FRC has always cared about a biblical worldview. We, we've always wanted Christians to, to think about the issues through the lens of Scripture. Uh, but we are really trying to uh, really key in on, and focus on that. So this week we are launching— our Center for uh, Biblical Worldview that's going to help uh, pastors and Christians think about our issues. And, and, And Virginia, this is so needed. Uh, George Barna uh, did a survey a few months ago that showed that only six percent of Americans have what you could be called a, a have what you could call a biblical worldview. Only six percent. He did another sh- survey that showed that eighty-eight percent of Americans have what you could call a synchronistic worldview, meaning they kind of pick and choose parts of different worldviews, and so their worldview is really incoherent. It's inconsistent, and so if that few Americans have a, a biblical worldview. That means a lot of our friends. A lot of our neighbors, even people that we go to church with, are not taking every thought captive to the Word of God. And so our hope, our desire uh, through this Worldview Center is to provide resources such as Sunday school curriculum, uh, videos, events. Uh, for pastors and uh, specifically pastors, but all Christian people, uh, to think about all of these issues through the lens of Scripture. And so we're really excited to get this initiative up and running and just hoping the Lord uh, guides and directs us as we seek to serve uh, Christians around the country and around the world.
1: That is wonderful. And indeed, you write about this Um we, we need Christians to stay on God's principles, and I train a lot of people, and I see and I help them to go from being overwhelmed to be overcomers. Mm-hmm. I see so many Christians being fearful about what happened, about the risk of uh, standing up on God's principles. And if we encourage more and more of them, they we can form a community that they can uh, encourage others. But I want you, David, to tell us how you began work in the area of biblical view and religious liberty.
0: Yeah, uh, th- well, thank you, Virginia. So like I said, I've been here at FRC for two years, uh, but how I got here is kind of a journey and it's interesting. I think this is probably the case with anyone who walks with the Lord. Um, you know, he leads you through things and gives you experiences and that all lead up to where, to where you're serving him today. So for, for me, uh, I went to the university of central Florida for college and I uh, did a political science degree just cause I, I like politics. I thought it was fun. Um. I also volunteered and then worked on some campaigns and during the twenty or 2012 presidential election. But I was also really involved in ministry. So I was a, a youth pastor, uh, worked uh, in middle school and high school ministry, uh, as well as doing campus ministry. And so by the time I was done with college, I had some political experience. I had ministry experience. And then I felt the Lord leading me to seminary. No one in my family had ever gone to seminary. I didn't really even know what a seminary was. Uh, but felt the Lord calling me to get a theological education. I didn't necessarily feel called to be the the guy that preached every Sunday in a church, but I I wanted to know the Lord. I wanted to know His Word. Uh, so I went to Southern Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky, and I, I did a Master of Divinity, so an MDiv degree. So that's classes in New Testament, Old Testament, preaching, Hebrew, Greek, church history, systematic theology. I also did an internship during that time with the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, which is the moral concerns arm of the Southern Baptist Convention. And that really opened my eyes to, wow, you can do ministry in the world of public policy. These two things can go together. Uh, So I did that internship. I graduated with my MDiv and then I got into a PhD program. I felt the Lord again. uh, just leading me to get more uh, theological understanding and knowledge, so I did a program at Southern Seminary, uh, a PhD in Christian Ethics with a focus in public policy. And while I was finishing the coursework, I was doing some writing on the side, and then that's when the Lord opened the door uh, for me to come to Family Research Council. So I'm still finishing that degree. All that's left is the dissertation, and Lord willing, we'll get that done in a, a year or so. Uh, but it's interesting now, looking back, you know, at, at any. Moment along that line, I didn't know exactly where the Lord was leading me, uh, but it's just clear with the ministry experiences, the political experiences, uh, and giving me a, a passion for religious liberty, a passion for the unborn, uh, that He's equipped me to be able to do the work we're doing here at FRC.
1: That it's wonderful you you reach several points that are so common to both of us. I always tell people that. You know, God puts skills in your life and talents, and He also guides you. The Bible tells us that He will put His uh, hand on our back, saying, this is a way, walk in it all you have to do is to listen and God opens the door and you need to use those skills not only for you but for the community for the job or for the business that you have earned for the community that uh, that you live in. So, you are doing exactly those things, and I, am, I, I admire you for listening to the Lord, uh, taking care of the skills that He put in you, and using them, you know, for FRC, for yourself, for community, and for many others. Tell us, people young like you, what is your advice for them? they might say, oh, I don't have David's skills, or I don't hear God like David, or so forth. What is your advice to them?
0: Yeah, well, I'll be honest, uh, Virginia, there's oftentimes, there's something kind of in academia called imposter syndrome, uh, where you feel like you, you don't belong, <laughs> that someone's going to find out uh, that you really don't belong in the you know whatever you're doing. And I'll be honest, I feel that often, uh, whether it was in the, the PhD program, I'm surrounded by a bunch of people that I knew were way smarter than me, or even kind of in the work we do here in, in Washington, D.C., people who have been here longer, who are more connected. And, and so my advice would be um, you know, something that's been on my heart really the last couple of, well, I'd say maybe five and a half weeks or so, is, is the importance of submitting and surrendering everything to the Lord. Uh, you know, we, man— Has plans. We come up with things that we want to do. Ideas. We have hopes. We have dreams. But I think as Christians, the posture of our heart always needs to be uh, submitting and surrendering those to the Lord. Our, our, you know, the the example that Jesus gave us in the Garden of Gethsemane when He was praying, uh, "Lord, Father, not my will, but Your will be done." And so, I think that the advice I would give um, is. Again, I'm speaking to 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 Christians, those who follow the Lord. I think it's easy in our minds to say, "Oh, I'm trusting the Lord. Uh, I'm gonna, you know, submit this to Him." But I think it's actually more difficult than we realize because we have giftings, we have abilities, and we can kind of be operating the, within those. And sometimes it often the Lord has to kind of shake our world up. Uh, we have to suffer a little bit or go, go through something maybe that's difficult. And that reminds us of how dependent we really are on God. And so that's, that, That's I think, uh, the first thing I would say, Virginia, is that constantly submitting and surrendering our thoughts, our plans, our dreams, our vision, uh, to God, and then allowing Him uh, t- to use us in ways that uh, that are going to bring Him glory, uh, and that ultimately are for our good.
1: That is so true in what you said. You know, uh, imposter syndrome and fear have a negative uh, quotation to them, but to me, it um, we have to look also at the positive side. When I'm fearful or I have that imposter syndrome feeling. They, in fact, push me to the Lord. They, in fact, are telling me, on your own, you're not capable. And I agree. That's true. So I need to run to the Lord and say, Lord, I accept the mission. I want you to do what you are asking me to do, but I'm scared to death. I don't feel like I can do it. And I feel like I hear the Lord saying, I can do it through you. That's all that God needs. Many times in my speech, in my book, I said to people, I was and I am a tool in God's hands. That's all what God needs. And you are a tool by what you explain to us and encourage young people. Be a tool in God's hands and watch God. Of course, you have to check yourself all the time. I am doing that. I don't know if everybody is doing that mistake, but sometimes I feel like I give it to the Lord and the next minute I find it in my hands again and I have to give it to the Lord again. So it's a process. So just be willing to do what God, every one of us, will create it for a specific mission and for for a specific time. And when we don't do it, we are just uh, missing that that, uh, um, blessings to us and to others. David, why it's important for pastors? to care about the worldview of uh, of their flocks, of uh, to train them even. Yeah,
0: well, let, let's go back to the statistic I gave you earlier. Uh, George Barna has, has shown that only 6% of Americans have what you could call a biblical worldview. Um, and I, I'm sure that number it would be higher in most of our churches. Um, but again, 6%, it means that Millions, uh, tens of millions of those who would identify as Christian, are actually not thinking about uh, political and cultural and moral issues uh, through the lens of Scripture. And so, my my advice to pastors is: then we're on. Very FRC is always working with pastors. We have a pastor's network uh, called Watchmen on the Wall. Is that, uh, Pastor, you are responsible uh, for your flock. You are responsible for your congregation. Uh, they are looking to you for, for wisdom from God's Word and how to think through these issues. And so um, I think it's just so important as a matter of stewardship, because the, the thing about it, Virginia, is, you know, our culture and Hollywood and uh, higher education, they are speaking to issues uh, of religious liberty or, or gender ideology uh, or all, all these, you know, contested issues in the public square. And people in our churches, they are hearing about it. And if they're not going to hear from their pastor on how to think about these things as Christians— where else are they going to hear it from? And so that's why I'm always talking to Christian parents, uh, telling them that you are your, the chief disciple makers in your home. Uh, you're responsible to make sure that your children are thinking through all these contested issues through the lens of scripture. And then also pastors who've been entrusted with uh, congregations that they, again, and I'm not telling pastors to to address issues that the Bible doesn't speak to. But there are clear issues in the Bible where I would say there's a thus saith the Lord. Uh, there's a chapter and verse to point to uh, that can give our people guidance and instruction and wisdom on these issues that, frankly, are, are many of them are confusing. Uh, some of these things are more gray. Um, and so we need wisdom. We need discernment. And I think pastors uh, who are sitting under God's word and then preaching God's word are in a wonder... just have a wonderful position uh, to help bring clarity to some of the moral confusion that's in our culture right now.
1: I think you are right about the pastors, and you're also right about parents. When I train uh, people, uh, if it's in a corporate uh, corporate, uh, position or parents— to rise up from you know overwhelmed to overcomers to stand up on God's principles, I also make them aware that they can go to church and listen to the uh, pastor. The pastor will be accountable to God of what he preaches, but you have, according to the Bible, you are responsible to check with the Bible and make sure that your pastor is preaching what the Bible is preaching. You have to know. You, you cannot hide and say, oh, my pastor said. And also, as a parent, your child will listen to, your, will watch your actions, not your words. And you can train your child by the way you relate to God, by the way you, you involve God in, in your life, and how you uh, depend on God every single day. In fact, uh, I, am, I started to write a book about how to raise your, ch- your, your children to be uh, Christians all the way in their lives. Because as a single mom here in America, I was blessed to be guided by God and to have to raise three kids. My first daughter graduated like me. I went back to law school here in Dallas, Texas at SMU. So my daughter graduated from SMU, my second daughter from Harvard Law School, and my son from United States Air Force Academy, wonderful schools. But the most important thing is that they finish graduate school. They are now responsible people working in business area, and they follow the Lord. So there are ways that we, as parents, we have, like you said, to counterbalance what the liberals and, and liberal schools are doing with, with our kids. I want to ask you the final question, this one. Some people think that uh, religious abortion, uh, what family is, the definition of family, um is in fact political, uh, are political issues and we shouldn't talk about them. What's your your response to them?
0: Yeah, it's pretty much what I I said a second ago, Virginia, is that I'm not asking any pastor to uh, speak authoritatively about issues that the Bible doesn't talk about. I think, you know, pastors should pe- they should preach expositionally. Uh, they should preach God's word. I think pastors should preach verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. Because um, at the end of the day, I don't really want to hear man's opinion. I want to hear God's word. Uh, but when you do preach through uh, expositionally through the, the Bible, you're going to realize the Bible speaks to a lot of these moral issues. The Bible speaks to family. It speaks to God's design for family. It speaks uh, about God's design for marriage, uh, going back to, to Genesis one and two, all the way through the New Testament. Uh, it talks about the personhood of the unborn, and, and, and these are issues that we have chapter and verse. So the, the Bible doesn't give us, you know, specific guidance on you know uh, should a bank robber get two years or five years in prison? Should we, you know, have a, a national sales tax, we don't get guidance like that from the Bible, but we do get a moral framework from which we can make morally informed decisions. But then there are those issues, such as the family, such as the personhood of the unborn, where I can point to chapter and verse And if the Bible is clear on some of these issues, Virginia, I think our pastors uh, need to be clear on them as well. And and that's why here at FRC, I I have a a series of booklets, actually, uh, called our Biblical Worldview Series. There's one on religious liberty. Another one is on uh, human sexuality. Another one's on pro-life. Another one's on political engagement, where I just simply try to walk through what Scripture teaches and then also show how... uh, Uh, leaders throughout church history have spoken to these issues, because specifically on the pro-life issue, Virginia, I think a lot of people think, oh, you Christians have only cared about that issue since 1973 with the Roe v. Wade decision. Well, actually, Christian uh, pastors and theologians have been speaking out and interpreting Scripture uh, since the first century. And so we have 2,000 years of the church saying, no, the Bible teaches uh, that all people born and unborn are made in God's image and have dignity. Um, so again, I, I, the, the series that I've written, you can find at frc.org slash worldview. And uh, in those booklets, you can just see what, what does the Bible teach about some of these, what I call first tier uh, moral issues. And I think uh, where the Bible is clear, we need to be clear as well.
1: Oh, I just love that. I just love that. And we're going to end it here. And we're going to have you for sure for next time to discuss much more, because this is just the beginning. Thank you so very much, David, for being here. And we will have you again.
0: Looking forward to it. Thanks for having me on, Virginia. If you want to know more
1: about Virginia Prodan, her coaching program,
0: buy her book Saving My Assassin, or invite Virginia to speak at your events, visit virginiaprodanbooks.com.